This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Well, welcome everybody. Tonight starts Encounter Night, and I'm so thankful that you're here for the next week in Encounter Week. Our goal is really to seek God. It's really to go after God, to start the year with this privilege that we have, with the access that we have to the presence of God, and really see God move in our lives. So tonight, I'm going to really, I'm going to challenge you in that regard with our time together. Um, this Sunday, if you're not familiar with our church, we'll start 21 days of prayer. And so we're taking a week to really fast together. And then this Sunday, we'll start that. Just kind of know that every Sunday, I'm going to come with kind of a theme for the week. I'm going to give you daily challenges for prayer. And that's what it's going to look like for the next few weeks, really to set the tone for the year. Because I, I just want you to hear this. If you get to the end of the year and you've saved a little bit more money and you feel like your relationships are a little bit richer and you've had some more experiences, but your relationship with God hasn't grown, it's a loss. Because all of those other things will pass away. So it's my hope that will set the tone for this coming year over the next few weeks by really getting intentional about going after the Lord. Tonight, I'm going to take you to a really familiar passage, especially for my family. All right? It's Exodus chapter 17. So I'm going to read this story. Would you stand as we read the Word of God today? Would you stand in honor of it? Here we go. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, Choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek under heaven. Moses built an altar, and he called it, The Lord is my banner. And he said, Because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Can we pray? Father, I just pray today that as we 
pause. We, we all come from such busy places. So many things to do. But we've made time tonight for this moment. And so we're asking God that you would speak to us. God, I, I get out of the way. And I ask you to just come into this room. That you would speak through me. That your word would be amplified in our minds and in our hearts. And that you would provoke within us the faith we need to take that next step. We pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. You may be seated. How about touch your neighbor while you're taking a seat and just say, I need you to hold my hands up. Now you look back at them and say, I'd do it if you had some better deodorant. Oh, my, my wife, Amanda, loves this passage of Scripture. As a matter of fact, I think she's preached four or five times at our church, and several of those times she talked about this passage. For her, um, and can I just pause and say this thank you for the many of you that have prayed for her. My wife had back surgery. She had a disc replaced in her lower back two weeks ago. Um, she's doing well. She's here tonight. Very, praise God. Yeah progressing healing this is really her passage and it talks about the need for community the need that at times you need somebody to come along and hold your hands up I, i'm going to make a few elementary observations from this passage not as sophisticated as my wife okay i'm just going to say that up front okay and the first thing that i want to point out from this passage is you are already in a fight you're already in a fight. I don't know if you noticed in the scripture, the Amalekites showed up just to pick a fight with the Israelites. They weren't looking for it. They didn't do anything. They just showed up to fight. They wanted to make war against them. Now, I've come to learn this about conflict in our life. We earn most of our conflict. How many of y'all noticed that? Right, we make stupid decisions, we say things we ought not to do, we ate too many cookies and now we got to do too much exercise, right? You know what I'm talking about? We earn most of our conflict, but there are fights that we're trapped in. The Israelites were trapped in a fight. They had showed, the Amalekites had just showed up, we're going to wage war, whether you want it or not, the fight's here. And I just want to remind you, because I've said this recently a lot, you are already in a fight that you didn't sign up for. There is an unseen war that every one of us is in. You have an enemy. That enemy hates everything about you because that enemy hates God and you are an object of God's affection. We have an unseen enemy. We call him the devil, Satan, the dragon. You're in an unseen war already. You already are in a war. But there's something else about this passage that I need to point out. There are forces within the fight that are unseen and powerful. They're unseen. We can't see them. But somehow within the context of this engaged conflict that we're in, there are powerful affects to their presence. Think about what we see with Moses. Moses says, he's not commanded, okay? 
He says, I will go on top of the hill and I will hold the staff of God above my head. Now, what that, re that represents a lot to Moses. Moses was scared to go back to Egypt. And what did God do? God said, you throw that staff down. Turns into a stick. Now pick it up. It turns. He's, you take, I, I'm giving you some authority and some power. And the staff was representative of God's presence and his power. And so Moses said, I'm going to go up on top of the hill and I'm going to hold that over my head. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm going to go up and make it really obvious that God reigns supreme. I'm going to make it so obvious that anybody around can look up and see me acknowledging with a physical act that God reigns supreme. But if you paid attention, when Moses got tired and he lowered his hands, visibly in the battle, the battle would shift. And the Malachites would start to win. And then he'd raise his hand, and then the Israelites would start to win. And then he'd lower his hand, and the battle would shift. Why? Because there are unseen forces. And there are unseen forces in this world, in this war, that are against you and for you. I don't think I spend enough time about talking about the forces that are for you. We talk about the forces that are against you, right? Devil, Satan, his demons. And they're still at work. I want you to know right now, if you don't want to be in the war, sorry, you're already there. You don't want to have an enemy, sorry, you already have an enemy. Why? Because God created you as an object of his affection. He wants a relationship with you. And the enemy hates God. And everything that God loves, the enemy hates. You don't have to pick it. It's already there. But then there are forces that are for you. The Holy Spirit. Angels. And while the Scripture doesn't make it clear why the Israelites are winning. What we do know is that Moses' physical obedience, I'm going to raise this staff up. I'm going to hold it up. This posture of acknowledging the supremacy of God, it released something that was unseen into that battle. There was something that you couldn't see. There was a force there that you couldn't make out. But when he was acknowledging it in the physical, by a physical act, there was something happening that you could see its effects, but you couldn't see it. I want to say this tonight because we're going to talk about this quite a bit. Number three, if you're taking notes, physical obedience unlocks unseen benefits. Obedience in what we would call the physical realm unlocks unseen spiritual benefits. Too often, we think of these as being divorced from one another. That we have the material world and we have the spiritual world. And I do things in the material world that have benefit in the material world. 
I lift weights and I diet because I want to lose a little weight. And I feel a little bit better. My mind is clear. There's benefits. Physical action, physical benefits. And then I do spiritual things and I pray and I, I read my Bible and, and I spend time in fellowship. And then there's, there's benefits to those things. But what I want you to see tonight is that those are not divorced they are connected. That what we do in the physical has implications in the spiritual. As a matter of fact, you saw that with Moses. He's doing a physical act, raising his hand. But there are unseen spiritual consequences right in his presence. I would go so far as to say this. Physical choices can unlock spiritual benefits and so many times we don't acknowledge that there are benefits to our relationship with God there are there are good benefits there are things that we need in there one of my favorite scriptures I've taught a whole series on this before Psalm 103 look at this praise the Lord my soul and for Forget not all his benefits. And then the psalmist goes on to list out the benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I'm going to tell you something. There's not a person in here that doesn't need forgiveness. There's not a person in here. There's some of us that need healing. We need God to touch our physical bodies. I mean, I tell you what, I, I was listening to, where's Taylor at? Where are you at? Over there. Oh, way over there in the corner. I was listening to Taylor sing. Y'all don't know this, but four months ago, Taylor couldn't talk without a stutter. She had a, a, a pretty consistent tremor, and God healed her. All right? Awesome. And tonight, some of y'all didn't know that. You just hear her talking and you don't know that that's a miracle. You don't know that her talking without a stutter is just a, it's a plain, out in the open miracle. God is a healing God. There's benefits. He redeems us. I love that word, redeemed. That God, the, the word means, re means again. And deem means to name or to purpose. How many of y'all are thankful that God can give you a new purpose? God can give you a new name, right? Well, some of us needed that. We, we weren't living right, and God showed up, and he redeemed us. That God can love you. God can lead you to a life that is filled with satisfaction, okay? Because the rest of this world is going to lead you to stuff. It's just a giant empty pit. There will never be enough. You just keep pouring all the way into it. There will never be enough success. There will never be enough money. There will never be enough accolades. There will never be enough affection. You're just a big giant pit. But God can lead you. One of the benefits is satisfaction. Renewal. I don't know about y'all, but I'm, I'm only in my late 40s. But sometimes I feel like this whole body needs a little bit of renewal. You get up in the morning... You know, I feel like, geez, Lord, can you touch my lower back today? <laughs> There's a story in, in the book of Daniel. 
but I want to spend a little time talking about this because it illustrates so well this principle that there are spiritual benefits from physical actions. If you don't know who Daniel is, uh, the, the children of Israel have rebelled against God. Uh, God takes out the northern kingdom with the Assyrians. He's going to take out the southern kingdom with the Babylonians. And when the Babylonians come in, they take the youngest, the best, and the brightest, and they ship them off to Babylon. Okay? Daniel was one of those. He shipped off. And there's this moment for Daniel. It's Daniel chapter 10 when he's, he's witnessed all. I mean, he's been taken from a place where worshiping God and honoring God, and, and this was all a part culturally of the way, all of, to an absolutely pagan society. And in Daniel chapter 10, I, there's this moment, and this has been the catalyst for a lot of things that we've done in our church. I don't know that many of you have ever known this, but I want you to see this. Daniel chapter 10, verse 2 and 3. Daniel has seen all of this stuff happening. He said, at that time, I, Daniel, mourned. For three weeks, I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotion at all. How many of y'all ladies would be like, I'm out now. No lotion, no lotion, I'm done. And I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. What Daniel is saying is that I was so grieved by what I saw that in mourning, I turned to God in lament and fasting. And he said, at least three weeks. Three weeks I'm going to do that. And what's interesting is if you read Daniel chapter 10, at day 24, Daniel has an encounter with God. I mean a real face-to-face -face encounter with what we can only describe as a spiritual being. It's the only way we could describe it. He's visited by what we might, we might call it an angel. Daniel doesn't have words. Right? It's like Acts chapter 2 where they're trying to describe what happens when the Holy Spirit came. And all they've got is there were tongues that looked like fire. I don't know what it was, but that's the best I have. It sounded like when Daniel's saying his skin looked like topaz. His face looked like lightning. When he spoke, it was as if multitudes were speaking. And I want you to pay attention to one of the things that this angel, we're going to assume it's an angel, that this angel says to Daniel. Look at verse 19. Do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed. Peace. He's been fasting for 24 days. Be strong. Be strong. Now, I want you to notice something, okay? He has this encounter. And because of what he chose to do, right? He chose 21 days. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not eat the food that's given to me by the king. I'm, I'm going to stay away from the wine. I'm not going to use the lotions. I'm, I'm not going to do all these things that they're telling me I have to do. I'm going to turn to God. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to go after God. And what did... Now, all of those are choices, just physical choices. And what did the angel say? The angel said, 
you who are highly esteemed. Two times as the angel's talking to him, the angel refers to Daniel as one who from God is highly esteemed. Why? Because of what he was willing to do to go after God. He was willing to make uncomfortable choices. He was willing to do things that most people wouldn't so that he can get what very few will ever have. So today I want to highlight a few choices that we can make physically that have great spiritual benefit. Okay? A few physical choices. Here's the first one. Choose to fast. Choose to fast. Now, I've invited you for a week, really to set the tone of the new year, to get real serious about going after God and just fasting. We're going to fast. We're going to go after God. We're going to set some things aside. We're going to say no to the things that we might normally say no to so that we can say yes to some other things. Now, hear me out. Fasting is not dieting. I know some of our folks, man, they get excited about 21 days. I'm going to lose all that Christmas weight. I'm going to do my whole 30, okay? Listen, it's not the same thing. As a matter of fact, there might be some of the same actions, but there's a dramatically different heart and a different motivation. In Joel, the book of Joel, I love this. Joel is, is, is writing to a, a group of, of Israelites that they've wandered away from God. They've kind of gone into doing their own thing. And God's it really, throughout the book of Joel, Joel's in the middle of some punishments that they're going through. And Joel says a few things that, that are really dear to my heart. This is one, Joel 2, verse 12. Look at this. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. I mean, I, I love this because like these people are far from God. And God loves them so much. He said, I mean, even now, in the midst of your rebellion, just return to me. Just give me hearts, and you'll put that on display, this internal decision, by fasting and weeping and mourning. Fasting is an intentional no, okay? I want to make some clarification here. Most often with food... All right, there's nowhere in the Bible that anybody fasted Facebook for 21 days, okay? I'm not saying that's a bad thing, okay? I fasted playing my video games for 21 days. That's not in the... Fasting is most often associated with food, and it's a no, intentionally, I'm going to say no, so that I can say yes to God. Now, you might be asking, why food? Let me explain that for a moment. Because food is an absolute basic need for every human being. It's a basic need. And it is the only basic need that you can choose to go without for a little while. 
Oxygen is a basic need. If you choose to go without oxygen for a few moments, you're going to pass out. Okay? But you can say no to food or a type of food or a meal for several days. And what happens when you say no to, to something that we, you're already designed to need? I need it. It's not a want, right? That's the difference between social media and food. What You don't need social media, but you need food. And there's something about fasting food in that basic human need that starts to grow within you a desire for something. I mean, some of y'all are going to show up next Wednesday so excited because you're going to eat a cheeseburger, okay? You're just not going to eat any, I don't know what it, you're just going to be, I'm going to get me some pizza after this. I'm going to get a cheeseburger. There's a longing for something. The way that we were created to long for the presence of God. And there's so many of us that have been so bent towards comfort that we have lost what it's like to long for something. You realize that as a Christian, we're supposed to long for heaven. I have a friend who's a pastor who looked over his church, a very wealthy church, and told them, I'm convinced many of you don't want to go to heaven because you are so in love with your lives right here. It's not how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to long to be with God, to long for heaven. Peter writes in 1 Peter, we're supposed to live like aliens in this world. I heard Tony Evans say this, Dr. Tony Evans said this one time, and it wrecked me. He said this, I will intentionally deny myself things that I could have because I want to live with a sense of expectancy, not in a false sense of temporary satisfaction. Oh, I could buy those shoes. I could go on that vacation. I could buy the new car. I could get the new clothes. I could get the new golf clubs. I could get the new hunting gear. But I'm not going to. Because my heart needs to long for something. That's what fasting does. It cultivates within us a longing for God. And remember, Daniel made the choice to fast for 21 days say, I'm not doing that. And when God shows up and encounters him, God calls him highly esteemed. Now, what does that mean? It doesn't mean that Daniel was any more loved than you are or than I am. But I want you to hear this. There are people that live in more favor than you or I live in. Daniel received God's favor after a fast. You are highly esteemed. You could too. There are things that we do in our life that position us to receive things from God. 
And for Daniel, that fast positioned him to be in that place. Fasting causes us to deny our flesh, to move away from our earthly cravings and desires, and to move to a place where we feel what it's like to long for something and transfer that longing to God. You can choose to fast. Here's another choice. Number two, you choose your posture. Now, I'm not talking about like how upright you stand, okay? Don't go criticizing my posture after this message, okay? Kevin, you are a little slumped over. I don't need that, okay? <laughs> Posture's really how we hold ourselves. And one of the first things that the angel says about Daniel in Daniel chapter 10, verse 12, is Daniel, you set your mind to understand and you, listen to this, you humbled yourself to God. You made that decision. That was the posture of your heart. Now watch, because when he encounters the angel, the posture of his heart becomes the posture of his body. Verse 15, look at this. While he was saying this to me, I bowed with my face toward the ground and was speechless. What posture are you taking towards God? I mean, just think about it in your heart, in your life, because what's in our hearts will come out. What posture are you taking towards God? Are you looking at God and saying, don't you tell me what to do? Don't you tell me how to live? Don't you tell me what I should care about? See, the posture of your heart, we see this with Daniel, will manifest into your actions. There is a discussion around what we do in this room that talks about posture. Might make some of you a little uncomfortable. Because in worship, some of you take on a posture. You ever notice that? A physical posture. Psalm 63, look at this, says, I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. Just like somebody who's in surrender, somebody who's responding to their heavenly father like a child that's in need of a hug or needing to be held. There's reasons to raise hands. You can choose your posture. And number three, look at this. Choose to use your words. Choose to use your words. Words are powerful. James chapter 3 talks a lot about words. Verse 9 says this. Look at this. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. The very next verse is, brothers, it shouldn't be like this. Words are physical in nature. They're created by our bodies and sound waves. And they have great impact. So let me give you two things to make sure that you're using your words for. Number one, use your words to praise God. Use your words to praise God. 
I don't care who you are in this room. God's done some stuff for you that you need to praise Him for. You need to say, thank you, God, for showing up when I didn't think there was a way. Thank you, God, for getting me through that hard time. Thank you, God, for keeping my head up. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for holding me. Thank you for giving me the strength to carry on when I didn't even know I could. How can we do that? You might want to get a journal and every once in a while just write down some things that you're thankful for. Another way you can do it, this is revolutionary for some of y'all, it's by singing, okay? Some of y'all look like the frozen chosen in the middle of worship. You're just like, it's a great day at church today, guys. It's great. I love this song. I love it. Oh, I love when Erica sings that song. So good. No singing. No singing. We turn the music up loud enough nobody can hear you. Sing. Sing. Use your words. Sing. It might even be every once in a while you need to say amen. Like somebody said something and you're like, hey, you know what? You know what the word amen it means? Let it be. Let it be that way. Let it be that way in my life, in my family, in my heart. Amen, amen, amen. Use your words to praise God. And then number two, use your words to pray to God. Use your words to pray. There's not a person in this room that doesn't need something. Jesus taught about prayer. He said, we need to pray like we had somebody show up in the middle of the night. We didn't have no food. And we went next door, and we knew our neighbors had a little bit of food. And we was like, you know, knocking on the door. And they didn't come. They didn't come. They didn't come. And Jesus says, no, keep banging. Keep banging on the door. Because eventually, this is Jesus' words, eventually, if not, for friendship, but for your persistence, they will answer the door. I mean, some of us just need to get some stuff in our lives that we're praying over. I, God, I haven't seen the answer yet. I haven't seen, I don't know what to do. God, I'm coming to you. I'm praying. God, give me some answers. I want to encourage some of y'all need to get a prayer box. If you don't know what that is, just take a shoe box, cut a hole in the top of it, get some index cards. And when you're praying about something, write it down. God, I'm praying that you would save my friend. I'm praying that you would get me a new job. I'm praying that you would heal my body, whatever it is. And you just keep doing that. And what will happen? About four months later, you go get that box out and you pull out all those things. You start going through them. You go, God, you answered that prayer. And you answered that prayer. It's a pretty powerful thing to do. Maybe you need to journal prayers. Doesn't have to be long. Doesn't have to be multiple pages. Two or three lines. Maybe you just need to have a conversation with God. You don't have to be eloquent. It doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to use all the fancy Christianese words, okay? Just talk to God like He's your friend. Because I've seen some of y'all talk to your friends, and you know how to pull that one off, okay? So you can do it. You can pray. And tonight, you're going to have an opportunity here to receive prayer in just for a moment. So let me ask you this question as we wrap this up. Where do you need a breakthrough? Where in your life do you need a breakthrough? Because some of us feel stuck. We feel stuck in certain areas. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's in your finances. Maybe it's in your emotions, your heart. For the next week, let's fast together.
I mean, get serious about it. It's one week, man. It's one week. Get real serious about fasting. Get real serious about going to God in prayer and seeking God. Father, we thank you for tonight. And Lord, we do ask you that we would have an encounter with you. God, that you would speak to us, that you would be with us, that God, you would heal and save and set free, that all of these things that we do desperately need, that you would be in this place tonight in power, that you would do what only you can do. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.